with your majesty here. I fall to my knees. I love you endlessly. With the beauty of your son, I find myself undone. I love you endlessly.
Give him praise. Tell him you love him. Praise the Lord for his love. No one ever loved us like Jesus does. He loves us so much. This morning, my heart just swelled up inside when I stopped to think how much he loves me. And when I come to his house like that, this, and we gather together, he looks down and says, they love me. Amen. He sees us by our works, that what we do says what we think of him. And you came today, you, it wasn't easy to get up and get ready. A lot of you had lots of things facing, you might even had something wrong with your car or different things that happened. But you're here because you love God. So when there's love both ways, it makes the most wonderful life because God is so real to us. Thank you for being here today. I know it took a lot of effort to come, and we want to welcome you. We've come to worship the Lord. Let me mention a few things that uh, you want to remember. Uh, we're reading the Bible through, and if you want to join with us, we have a little booklet now that tells you the date and where you should be. Today we should be, does anybody remember where we should be today? In Genesis 45, that's where we should be. If we're reading our three chapters a day and reading the Bible through. Now that was all something you do on your own. So you can start anytime you want to if you get behind or if you just want to go ahead and read ahead. Just go ahead because we want to get the Word of God in our people's hearts and minds. It will make us overcomers and make us greater Christians for the work of God. If we get the Word of God in us, and you can choose to do it any way you want to, but please remember that and uh, keep the Word of God going in your hearts. Uh, we're also wanting to announce that if you need to be baptized in water and you want to, you will please sign up in the foyer as you go out uh, where Melissa's booth is. And um, next Sunday, we'll ha be having baptizing, but we need a list of those that want to be baptized. So please remember to do that. And all of you that are in the top-notch circle, the meeting for January has been canceled, but we'll be having one in February. So just watch the bulletin for that. Now we want to get out, and we want to welcome everyone that's here. If you're new and this is your first time, or you're visiting with someone here and you came to church with them, that's great. We want to get out and shake hands and greet people. Put on a smile. Everybody put on a smile. Reach out your hand and shake hands and give somebody a God bless you. Thank you for coming.
vacation. The Bible says in Psalm 121, he never sleeps or slumbers. God don't take a break. God is God. I love that old song. It says, he's God in the amen corner. He's God at the back door, the front door. 
He's God on the pew. He's God in the pulpit. He is God. He is always God. Amen. Somebody says, get your lyrics right. <laughs> well, I got I to gotta call R.W. Shambach and get that right. It's good to see you this morning. Turn to someone, tell them, say, you're looking as good as you've looked all day long. I think you look wonderful. Guess what? We had another fantastic crowd, over 300 in that first service again. So God's doing awesome. I have repented, because for a couple of years now, we've been threatening to do this. And we, every time we'd get close to giving us two mirrored services, we'd stop and we'd say, no, we can't do it. We don't want to upset the apple cart. So we'd go back. Wait, we're ready again. Wait, we'd flinch. We went ahead and did it this time with our eyes closed. Just said, we're going to do it. And God is blessed. Five people came to Jesus last Sunday. Amen. You want to know if God's blessing, 28 men and women received Jesus in the jail ministry yesterday. Hey! It's about seeking the lost. That's what it's all about. Man, we, we get back to the things God loves, and he begins to bless and touch. Amen? So good to see you this morning. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer. Several things. We want to remember the Napier family. We had Sister Darlene Napier passed away, and this is uh, Daryl and Robin Napier. This is Daryl's mother. We want to remember them. Also, Penny Baker's grandmother, uh, Dolores Salyer passed away. This was Dave Salyer's mother. We want to remember her, the, the family, Penny and her family. Just want to pray that God comfort and be with the Baker family. Also, Brother Charles Warren is doing better. After quadruple bypass surgery, he's doing good. They're going to release him to rehab. Amen. Let's keep remembering him. And also, Marcia and Ray Smith need our prayers today. Praying for her mother, Olima. She is in hospice and needs prayer. How many of you would say, Pastor, I have a need, and I know God is able to answer every need and every prayer? Amen. I love the in-between service time. I had the opportunity to pray with some people about some needs, and, and it was a great connection time. I got to sit and talk with some folks. It's just a neat thing. Come early and get you a coffee, and you can talk to some folks, get you on a nice couch out there and sit and have a good time before services. You can even pray for folks and witness. It's a good opportunity to make connections. So I want to thank Dave Williams. Where are you, Dave? He's right there. I want to thank Dave for taking that cafe on. It is a ministry. Amen. Coffee is definitely a ministry. <laughs> but I appreciate him and the work that he's doing. He needs folks that'll step up and help in that cafe area. So if you're here right now and you'd like to help, you, you feel like you could work. Maybe you worked at Frisch's for a couple years and you wouldn't mind to donate your time. Maybe you worked at, at, at McDonald's. I don't care where you work. If you'd like to donate your time, maybe you've never done it before. But if you love people, we'd love to have you on that team. Just see Dave or see uh, Nicole Locke, who is part of our volunteer life. She's our director there and, or anyone in the office. So anywhere, anywhere around the church, if you would like children, let us know. If you want to work in with the youth department, let us know. If you want to help be a greeter or an usher 
be a parking lot crew, let us know. We're in the mode to receive volunteers. Ah, oh, thank you. I heard one. Do I hear another amen? All in favor say aye. aye. Good, you all have been signed up. Excellent, good. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer. We also take just a moment in our service every Sunday to stop and pay attention to the good and seek the peace of Israel. How many of you love Israel? We're going to pray for her today. We're also going to pray while we're at it. We always pray for the United States. So we pray for our country as well, our leaders. So as we do all of this with every need that you've made known, let's go before the Lord. Father, we come to you. We ask your work to be accomplished and done. Lord, in every life, I pray for comfort for these that have lost loved ones. I pray, Lord, that you will minister to those who are still in the hospital, those that need your touch. Thank you for those that feel that healing strength in their bodies. Thank you, Father. I pray that you will touch every need that's represented by uplifted hands, every heart, every life that is going through a difficult season. Maybe they need provision or guidance, direction, healing. Lord, we ask you to touch each one. We're believing and we know you're a God who answers prayer. You told us in your word over and over again how many times you've told us, bring our petitions, bring our prayer requests, bring our needs to you, cast all our care on you. And Lord, we do that this morning. And we thank you for the privilege and opportunity. Now, Lord, we take a moment and we recognize the, the, the state of Israel. We ask you, Lord, as we seek her good, we ask you to protect her on every border. Lord, her enemies are poised against her on every side. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would protect her, keep her, her sons, her daughters, her, her families. I pray over her leaders. I pray over them, and we agree together, Lord, for the peace of Jerusalem. We ask this today in the mighty name of Jesus, in direct accordance with your word, standing with you and your work that you're doing in that Mideast, God, we ask you. We want to be a part of what you're doing worldwide. And Lord, we ask you to touch our country, touch the violence in our streets, touch the division, the way that people are filled with such hate these days. Touch God by your Holy Spirit and let your work be accomplished in every life. I pray over our leaders. I pray over our governments, our state leaders. I pray over our authorities. I pray protection over our people. And I pray, God, that the cities in America will know peace again and that your work will be accomplished and done. We ask you, Lord, to send a revival of your Holy Spirit into America. Touch today by your grace and love. And, Lord, we want to be a part. Use us in our community to make a difference everywhere we go, a city set on a hill that cannot be hid. In the mighty, mighty name of Jesus Christ, we ask it and we pray. And everyone together said amen. amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. The Bible says to clap your hands unto the Lord. Amen. It also says to shout unto the Lord with a voice of triumph. Do I have anybody who's a, who's a shouting, victorious, triumphant Christian? Amen. People like it when they come to our church. They're like, what? We don't even know what to do with you people. I can't help it that we're excited about serving Jesus. Yeah. Wasn't too long, not too long ago, we had a, a guest that was visiting, and we were, they were walking out, and they asked somebody, they said, is that the way it is every Sunday? <laughs> they were like, yep. Praise God. Yeah, you may be seated. So we are in our 21 days of fasting. Thank you for those who have joined in, and, and you're, I, I love hearing all the different ways that you are fasting. Um, 
We don't follow a prescription for that. We allow the Lord to lead you and to guide you. And we're so thankful how that's working. Some of you are doing 14 days, some 10 days, some three days off. And you, then you're off a day or two, and then you start three days again, and you're just doing that the whole time. Some are doing 21 days in Daniel fast, and that is amazing and beautiful. Some of our young people are doing that. They are just wonderful to watch how they're, they're trying to figure out what they can eat and what they can't eat. I was at a Wendy's the other night, and they were, like, eating pistachios, and they were just going nuts on different food that they were allowed to eat. I love that because you know what we're doing? We're following after him. The Bible says, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. That's what fasting and prayer does for us. Puts us in position for God to bless. I want to see his blessing. I was able to pray over a very important need this morning in between services. And I felt the spirit and presence of God as he was working. So good to see you today. We're also on, as Liz mentioned, we're on Mission 365, which we are, as a church, joining together to read the entire word of God this year. Every day, however you're doing it, maybe you're following that one-year plan that Liz has, or maybe you're following the version plan, or you've got a one-year Bible, however you're doing it, thank you for joining us in reading the Bible through this year. I believe the Word of God in us is going to be, like the Word says, fatness to our bones. Don't worry, it ain't got calories, but it's going to be good for our soul. It's going to transform and change us as people. And then we're also... We're focusing on something else besides prayer, fasting, and the word. We've added serving. We haven't said a whole lot about serving. The attend one, serve one idea from us. What I want to challenge you with during this time of marching forward our campaign for the new year. So I want to encourage you to acts of kindness. Any way that you can find to serve one another. Have you ever sat in a drive through spied somebody in your rearview mirror and when you got up to the counter there you paid for their food and you couldn't believe how it made you feel there was just this one time when they ordered like for all their company and that was not good i mean it was anyway it was good but it's amazing to be able to do things for others you know brian gave us a devotion it's been a couple years now, but he got up one Sunday, and I'll never forget it. Pastor Brian said, God is a giver, and he's a lover. And he says, his image in us, Hannah means that we're givers, and we're lovers. To be someone who's a giver, who gives of our time, our, our talents, our treasure. Someone who gives and serves loves others I'm asking you whether it's through serving in our ministries whether it's serving in grace and gratitude where I hear they're going to the street this next week or you're in Clayton Street Mission which we're going to be showing you and telling you about new ideas and new mission projects for our community whether it's for Paraguay if you're interested in joining our mission team going to Paraguay we're already starting all the groundwork to get that laid and going or if you're someone who just wants to do acts of kindness, serving others, loving others. Find a thousand ways to love others besides yourself. There's a lot of selfishness in the world today. And can I say this, and you won't run me out, there's a lot of selfishness in the church today as well. But when we get our eyes on others, 
the Bible says it's better, better to give, to be someone who gives than to receive. So our ushers are coming, and what a perfect time for not only me to explain what's happening in our, our 21 days, and really, the Mission 365 goes for a year. Serving is going to be never-ending. And prayer and fasting is going to be never-ending as well. But for 21 days, we're focusing on teaching and preaching those subjects and helping us to get back and, and review what God's doing in our hearts. I would ask you this morning, as you are faithful to be a giver, that you would re be, be reminded that our loose offering all goes to World Missions. That we take care of missionaries literally all around the world. We're asking you to give today to meet needs in their lives. We don't keep a dime of the offering. It goes all to world missions. We do that in this service and in the first service. And also we thank you for those who are obedient to God's word and paying your tithe. Thank you. That's what keeps the ministry here going. And we want to be about the Father's business in our community. Amen. Father, we ask your blessings, your strength, your grace to be on every gift. Lord, may we not be selfish. May we not be prideful. May we not be people that try to do this thing called religion as opposed to relationship with you. Lord, you have all of it. Take it all. Take our hearts, our minds, everything that we have Lord, we pray you bless it as we give it to you. I pray your blessings on our missionaries. Touch them and minister to their needs today. Use us to do a great thing. And Lord, I pray that you will touch and minister to those who are faithful and they're giving, Lord, when they feel like at times it goes against what even their better judgment might be, but they're giving because of faithfulness and obedience to your word. I pray your blessings over their house. Pray that you touch them, Lord. I don't know anyone who's ever trusted in you that has come back and said it wasn't a good thing. But Lord, your word declares you will always take care of your people. You will provide for every need. And I thank you that, Lord, when we're obedient to your word, you, you are always faithful to us. So we thank you today and we honor you. In the blessed name of Jesus Christ, we give, we bless. In Jesus' name, amen.
Whisper his name, whisper his name, whisper his name, he will answer you, call on his name, call on his name, call on his name.
Can you say that this morning? The devil thought he had you. He thought he had absolutely destroyed you. He thought he had stolen everything that you possibly could have ever held on to. But you're still standing. I like that part where it says, my praise still here. Praise still here. Don't you want to look at the devil right now and just say, praise the Lord, I'm still here. We preached a few weeks ago about aren't you glad for the battles that didn't beat you? You're still standing. That's what faith in God is all about. See, man, understanding and knowing he's a real God, powerful God, that he's at work in this world. He's a God who wants to be praised. I thought about that. I thought about Paul and Silas as they were down in that deep, dark dungeon. They'd been put down there for the sake of the ministry, for the cause of Christ, going through suffering and persecution, been beat up. The Bible says, and at the midnight hour, oh, you aren't, you aren't even hearing me, are you? At the midnight hour, in other words, at the darkest of the night, the most hopeless of the night, it says they lifted up their voices in song, they begin to praise the Lord. Can I tell you what your praise will do? You can sit there like a lump on a log all day if you want to. You can sit there and do nothing, you old sour thing. Not, not talking about people that are sitting. I'm a, I love you. <laughs> I'm talking about that person. You know that one. That one. I ain't moving. I ain't going to do none of that stuff they're doing. I don't even like Gary Turner. I ain't moving. Yo, selfish, prideful thing, you. Thankful that through every trial, through every persecution, through every trouble I've ever been through in my life, say what you want to, but I have found him to be there. He's been there in the valley. He's been there on the mountain. And I got something to praise God for. I got something to lift up my voice for. I don't have to be in the perfect place. I can praise him in the middle of the dungeon, in the prison house. I'll find a praise. I'll find me a way to sing a song. In the hospital, on the job, in the middle of my trial, I'll find me a place to praise God. It don't have to be perfect for me. Don't have to be perfect for me. I'll find me a way to praise him if it's the last breath I got. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise him in this house. Praise him. He's worthy. Hallelujah. My, my, my. Turn in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 2. Uh-oh. About 39 minutes. Here we go. Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. Titled this message, The Launch. The Launch. Part of our series that we're in, Healthy Things Grow. You know, if you'll get healthy in the spirit, if you'll get healthy spiritually, you'll grow automatically. Some people pursue growth. That's not the way you do it. Pursue health. 
be healthy. When you're healthy in God, when you're healthy in his image, when you look like this, somebody needs to hear this. When you look like this, you're healthy. And when you're healthy, you grow automatically. I told you last Sunday about my little sweet potato. I'll keep you apprised as to how it's doing. <laughs> healthy things grow. But sometimes, now listen to me, sometimes you got to be pulled back in order to be launched forward into a place you've never been before. Sometimes you got to be pulled back in order to go to where you've never been. And you couldn't get there on your own. What does that mean? Well, it means several things. Sometimes our trials and troubles, we, they, they take us back a little bit. But that's all right because that's what's needed in order to catapult you into a destiny that you have never planned on being at before. Where God's going to take you way past. Your, your trials are going to pull you back. And that's just going to put the tension on the rubber band in your life. And you're going to be launched into your future. Come on, somebody. And in the word of God, the, the prayer time, our fasting, and in what we're serving, these four areas that we're focusing on these next few weeks, it's us putting ourselves in, it's us going back to the basics, going back to some things. You want to know how to be healthy spiritually, it's in your prayer time, it's in your fasting, it's in your word, and it's in your serve. Those four areas is going to set you on fire for Jesus and you're going to grow. It's when we get all out of whack. We get off track. Things go crazy. Revelation 2 and verse 1. Jesus had a message for the church. We're going to talk about his message. The first letter he wrote, the first letter he inspired John to write to the churches was to the church of Ephesus. And these are the things he said. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write... These things, says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. Now understand what that means. That means the one who holds us in his hand and he walks among us. He's with us now. If you don't know that Jesus is here, let me give you Christianity 101. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'll go with you all the way to the end of the age. Jesus is here right now. You better straighten up. You better straighten up. I know your works, Jesus says through John to the Ephesus church. Your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. You have tested those who say they are apostles and are not. You found them to be liars. And you have persevered. And you have patience. And you've labored for my name's sake. And you've not become weary. Wow. Where do, where's this church at? I want to go to this church. Man, you are, you are on fire. You're dedicated. You've got discernment. You're teaching. You've got all the, man, you got it down. 
You, are, you got a great youth program. You got a great choir. You got a great preacher. You got all kinds of great things going on. You a good church. That's a good church. Nevertheless, uh-oh. NIV says, yet. Oh, last thing you want to hear from Jesus is the word yet. Or the word but. Amplified version says, but. New King James says, nevertheless, I have this against you. Now, it's one thing to have, gee, for you to have something against me. You know, you can apologize to me and buy me a steak and everything will be fine. But to have the creator of the universe, the Lord of glory, has something against you. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. So we need to listen closely, don't we? Because this is written to the church. This is not just written to Ephesus. This is written to the seven churches that represent all churches all the way to the end of the age. This is to us. You don't think it's to you. It's to you. Nevertheless, I have this against you. That you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent. Oh, my. Is it that serious, Lord? Repent and do the first works. Or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Wow. I think this is something we need to hear, isn't it? Father, we ask your blessings on your word. Pray that you touch us today. You'd speak to us by your Holy Spirit. God, we are yours today. Speak to us. Challenge us in the name of Jesus. And if there's anyone here who does not know you as their Savior, we pray that before they leave this house today, God, they will have that relationship with you. I pray for all of us that we will move beyond, Lord, a form of godliness to a powerful intimate relationship with you all of us as we seek you in revival god of the first love in jesus name amen you can be seated i see god as doing something in us we're in a movement i believe a movement of the spirit of god god has been making he's been speaking to my heart he's made it very clear all week long what I was to speak on this morning. I'm not just pulling some sermon out of a hat. I believe I have a word for us as a church, something pivotal at the crossroads of where we are. I shared with the encounter group the other evening. I thank Duran and Jennifer Adkins who are, are helping us with the, the encounter group. And they've been praying and they've been working together with a team, which, by the way, they need team members. They need new folks to come and join alongside of them, so see them or one of the encounter team members, if you'd like to be a part, it's a whole new ball game. They're wanting it to be a ministry opportunity, something to truly minister to the needs of the people, and it's going to be wonderful. But I was with them, and they, they asked me to come and share with them my pastoral vision for the church. And, of course, what could I do? I mean, I could go to a textbook vision, you know, that, that a pastor should have, or I, I could just speak right out of my heart. And whatever I'm speaking out of my heart is what you're giving. So I shared with them where we are as a church and what God is doing and bringing us back to the basics, back to the things that truly build a healthy Christian. 
a healthy church. Things that make us what pleases God, because how many of you know, I don't have no interest in pleasing you or the community or the denomination or anybody else who has an idea about Christianity, not interested. I want to please God. I want to please God. That's my heart. It's my desire. I love this church. I've been in this church since I was a teenager. I fell madly in love with this place. I loved it because it ministered to me. It changed my life. Maybe it hadn't changed yours, but it changed my life. I was renewed in God, filled with His Spirit, called into ministry, trained by some of the best mentors I could possibly ask for. God brought me here as a young man. My mama came to my bedroom when I was broken down, and she said, baby, you need to go down to Harlem Park Church in Middletown. You need to get down there, and, and you just need to let God heal your heart. I got in my green Delta 88 Royale Oldsmobile. It's called the Green P. And I jerked and shook all the way down Route 4 from Trotwood to get down here. And I got down here on a Sunday night, and the moment I walked in the door, I felt the presence of God, which for, I need to say to you, I don't take for granted. Don't ever take the presence of God for granted felt the presence of God. I'd get out of the car and I'd hear the choir singing and tears would well up in my eyes. I'd get across the street because you know you had to park on the other side of the street over there. I'd park and I'd be walking and I'd hear that music and I'd get excited in my spirit. I was late because I worked until 6 and the service started at 6 so I was flying in that thing trying to get down here from Best Products on Salem Avenue. That's where I worked in the toy department. I know, TMI, but there you go. So I'm flying to get down here, and my, my bomb is ex about to explode. I get down to this place. I get in the service. As soon as I walk in, I only have room to sit on the back pew. I'm sitting on the back pew all by myself. Don't know nobody. But I knew the Lord was there. It touched my life. I, want, I have such a passion and a love for this church. God, I don't know what he was doing when I was a teenager, but he put it in me to be the pastor of this church one day. I had no idea that would ever take place. But here I am, a protective shepherd over a congregation, and I once was just a boy sitting on the back pew. I know you don't know what God's wanting to do in your life, but get yourself in position to where God can touch you, challenge you, and grow you. He wants to grow you. Wants to work in your life and change your, your life, your sick circumstances. He wants to change the way you think. I don't think nothing like I used to think when I was a boy. I, I, I got a whole new perspective on spirituality and growth in God. It's amazing when you study his word and you get deep down in there and you begin to let it speak to you. It becomes that fatness to your bone and marrow to your soul. We're in a move of God in our church, and I'm protective over what I feel, what I see. But what the Lord is speaking to me is he's saying, you're at a crossroads. You've built this new building. You've got opportunities. You've got all these ministries that are coming out of the woodworks. Everybody's trying. I loved what Grace did today. Didn't you love what she did in worshiping God? That was beautiful. You don't know. You may not know Grace. She's new. She was here at both services, and they just slept out because they've already heard this message once. They don't have to hear it twice. She's from Puerto Rico, if you don't know it. She, had, she was in the dance ministry in Puerto Rico. Not too long ago, she came to me and she said, Pastor, it's my passion. 
It's who I am. It's what I do. She said, but I, I don't see anyone who does this in our church. That's because we've been waiting on you. She's a nervous wreck. When you see her, you put your arms around her. And you congratulate her on letting God use her to minister, worship. And that dance was beautiful today. God's doing things in our church. We're talking about this mission trip to Paraguay. We're getting excited. We're already working with the orphanage and the school down there in Paraguay, getting it set up. It's amazing how it's all falling together. The timing is beautiful, and everything's coming together. God is doing something in our church, but you know, at the moment when I'm thinking, okay, God, what do you want? The future, the destiny out here. What do we do to get way out there, God? We're headed out there, Lord. You know what he says? He says, go back. I said, Lord, we're talking about the future. He said, go back. Go back. He begins showing me. Sometimes you gotta, you gotta go back to be catapulted into your future. And what is going back? Going back is pulling that tension. There's troubles and trials, and there's things you go through. There's things you deal with, you endure, and as you do endure them like a good soldier, the Bible says, it makes you, it builds you, it forms you. And as we go back to fasting. And as we go back to prayer and learning the valuable, preciousness of prayer, as we know the Word of God and we keep pulling back on, we're studying the Word together, we're reading together, and we're all in this together as we're doing this and we're pulling back as a congregation and we begin to love one another and serve one another like never before in a campaign of service. As we pull back, God's saying these are the elements that are necessary. Sometimes you got to go back in order to go forward into your future. So God has called us to go back. He's calling you to go back. Go back to when you first loved him. Go back to what it was like when you first got saved. Oh, you don't want to get so, so saved. You don't want to get so saved that you forget what it was like when you first fell in love with Jesus. Don't ever get to where you've arrived. Spiritually, don't ever, don't ever do that. Number one, nobody else wants to talk to you. Everybody else has got your number, and they're running the other direction. Don't ever get to the place where you think you've got it all together, and God speaks to you but doesn't to others. That's exactly where Ephesus was. They discerned. They'd tell you who was on, who was off, who was good, who was bad. They could tell you everything. They were sitting in the seat of condemnation, sitting in the seat of judgment over others. They thought they had arrived. They could tell you what church was good, what church was not good. What church was on, what church was off. What church was on fire, what church wasn't. They, they'd have preachers come through, and they'd dismiss them as liars. And sometimes their discernment was good. I mean, they had the law down. They knew how to do it. It says that they were dedicated. They were committed. They were on fire. They were patient and kind. Their works spoke about them all over the community. Why? Everyone knew that Ephesus was kind of a, a moral debauchery of, of sin. It was a terrible city. They had the temple of Diana. and There was all kinds of worship, pagan worship going on in this city. And, and it was a merchant city, a big tourist spot. Everybody going there to party and vacation. I mean, Ephesus needed a revival. And old Paul is the one who started the Ephesus church. And Paul warned them over and over and over again. He trained them in the word. He said, beware of wolves that come in. Beware. Be a shepherd over your people and watch the church of God. Take care of what's happening in your church. I've got all kinds of teaching from Paul. In the, if you look in the scripture there, he, he talks about it 
in Acts, he says, Take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also, from among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore, Paul says, watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. Jesus praised them for their training. Their patience, Paul had done a good job. The two years that Paul preached there was a revival time. Ephesus had found a revival. There was a great outpouring of the Spirit of God in Ephesus. Many were saved. When Paul moved on, he brought Timothy, and Timothy became the pastor of the Ephesus church. And He did a great job, continued the teaching. Remember, Paul said, hold fast. And remember the things your grandmother and your mother have taught you. And, and hold to those things. And I charge you to be instant in season and out. And to be about the ministry. And to always show yourself as a, as a vessel and an, an honorable vessel before God. Charge them to be instant and ready at all times to minister the gospel. Then after he was done, when Paul called him back to him, as you, if you remember at the end of Paul's life, he called for Timothy back Well, John went over there and took Mary, the mother of Jesus, and pastored at Ephesus. Ephesus had a great heritage. They had some good pastors. They had all kinds of stuff going on. But here they are, all the, those guys had left, and now here they are just going through the motions. They had got to the place where they just knew how to do church. They knew how to do the motions. They had a form of godliness. They had it down. They knew how to teach. They knew how to, how to preach. They knew how to sing. They had a great choir, great youth program, great nursery. Everything was all good in Ephesus. Everything was just wonderful. And Jesus looked at him and saw something that we need to see today. Jesus said, I praise you for all those things. You've, you've got good things. I, I, I commend you for your dedication, your commitment, the way you are discerning. But in the middle of all that, even though they had all that down, Jesus looked at him and said, nevertheless, I have something against you something against you, young man. I have something against you, young lady. I have something against you, church. You've left your first love. You've left your first love. Therefore, repent. Remember from where you have fallen. Do you remember when you got saved? Do you remember how you loved people? Do you remember how you were just reckless in your mercy and grace to folks? Do you remember how it felt? I remember laying in the bed at my grandmother's house. I, I would stay at night with my grandmother because my grandfather was killed. And, and so she was lonely. And I would stay with her and my sisters. And we would kind of trade off. And every night she lived right next door to us. So I'd go over there and sleep. And when I got saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, I went home to grandma's to sleep. And I'm laying in that bed, and I'll never forget looking up at that ceiling. And I was breathing different. I was feeling different. Like the colors were more vibrant. The whole room was different. I felt so alive. It was so amazing. 
And I sat there and sang hymns and sang songs while I was in my sleep. And I couldn't believe how God had changed my life. You want to know why I'm up here preaching today and why there ain't no way, there ain't no casino, there ain't none of that sin out there. There's none of those things that will ever pull me away with God's presence and power enabling me. It's because I had an experience. I had a first love. I had a first love. I loved him. I loved him so much I couldn't hardly stand it. I told everybody I knew people didn't want to see me coming. I tried to do it right. I tried to do it careful, but I was just so bubbling over. I told everybody. I loved everything about it. I loved my church. I was at my church. I'd drive from Trotwood down to Harlem Park. I'd sit in the parking lot, and I'd just wait for them to get there when I could, you know, if I wasn't working. I'd sit there, and I'd wait. I'd come down every night. I was burning the road down. My mom and dad were like, what in the world? Are you going to stay home tonight? Nope. Going to a prayer meeting, nope. Going to a Bible study, nope. Going skating, I'm just, everything they did, I was here. I loved God, I loved everything about my relationship with him. He transformed and changed my life, and then he began to move in my life, and I started teaching, and I started sitting under some mentorship, and I started going to prayer meetings, and I'd listen to Brother Sargent as he'd pray over in the corner, and I would just listen. I'd go sometimes just to hear him pray, because I didn't have nobody to literally like, teaching me and we didn't have sessions I just how I mentored how he mentored me was I just followed him around Ron Medley I, he was one of my others him and brother sergeant and Stan Holder those three mentored me and, and we never I don't remember we ever had a one sit-down meeting we just kind of I just followed them everywhere they went and I remember I'd sit and I'd listen to brother sergeant while he was praying and then I'd, I'd learn how to pray I'd learn how he prayed, and I, that's because that man gets a hold of God, and I'd, I'd start learning to pray, and I'd follow what he'd do, and I'd pray like he prayed, and next thing I know, I'm developing my own prayer, it's kind of language, if you will, and I'm, I'm developing my own way of doing it and getting a hold of God, and God starts speaking to me, and I'll never forget the first Sunday that I was used in a service to give out a message in tongues. I didn't know what had happened. I put my hand over my mouth and was trying to be quiet, and I couldn't be quiet, and the next thing you know, hundreds of people are shutting up listening to me, and I was just like, oh, what is happening? It grew me because I put myself in a healthy place. I put myself in a position where I wanted to grow, and it came automatically. Jesus praised them, and he said, I just have this one thing. You've left your first love. You've forsaken, and you've let go of that first love. Something's now missing. Yes, you're a dynamic church. Yes, you're dedicated, determined, disciplined. You're even discerning. But I have a problem with you because you've left your first love. You're missing the main thing. You're missing the thing that makes the difference. You're missing the thing that brings the anointing, that brings the touch of God. You're going through the motions. You remember that the scripture in 2 Timothy. Timothy was, was being warned in chapter 3, verse 5. Don't be like those people. Don't be conformed to the world, having a form of godliness but denying the power. One of the biggest dangers I see among Christian circles today is this prideful arrogance in the body of Christ where people have lost the power and they've given themselves over to a form of godliness. Judgmental and condemning, looking down their nose at other people, and they think they've arrived. They think that they're all right. Jesus says, go back. Go back. I think it sickens him when he sees religious spirits in action. 
He wants us to go back because sometimes you have to go back in order to go forward. He's looking at Ephesus and he's saying, I want you to go forward. I want you to be anointed. I want you to go in power. I want you to transform the world. I want you to be so empowered that you move in the gifts of the Spirit and the operation of the Spirit. I want you to do mighty things for me. I want you to do powerful things. I want you to be a city set on a hill that cannot be hid. I want you to be lit up like fireworks on a July 4th. Uh, Sunday night, he wants us to be filled with his presence and spirit. And so sometimes he will look at us and say, go back. Go back. Go back to your first love. You've fallen away. Man, it must have been serious. He said, go remember where you have fallen. Remember where you have fallen. Go back there. Remember what it was like. Remember when you got saved. Remember when you cried in the altar. Remember when people were there with you and comforting you, strengthening you, and you were studying God's word, and you'd have questions about the Bible. Remember how it once moved you, how it once touched you. Remember where you've fallen from because now you've become so callous and hard-nosed, and you've become such a problem and an obstacle to others who are searching for the real Christ. See, it, it always affects others. People are searching. They're looking for the real deal. They're looking for someone whose life has been transformed. Not just turned into a different kind of animal. Someone who is full of God's love. Religious people looked down on Jesus because he went to eat with the sinners. He said, those who are sick need me. Those who are well don't need me. Jesus is always out of compassion. The religious stood around with rocks in their hands, ready to follow the rule of the law. But Jesus said, which one of you is without sin? Throw the first stone. Go ahead. Go ahead. There you go. There she is, caught in her sin, red-handed. Go ahead. Thank goodness. Faced with Christ himself, they threw their rocks down. And the Lord looks at those of us who, who... Depend and lean upon his mercy and his grace. And he says, where are your accusers? There are none, Lord. Then go. Sin no more. That beautiful picture is first love. That's first love. That's the love that he wants in our hearts. That's the love he gives to us. Religion clouds it up sometimes. I don't need to remind you because I, I have to follow the, the leading of God and the word of God. And most of the time, the word, if you read through scriptures and study it, it's trying to keep the church on track. Isn't it? Wasn't it the religious people that crucified Christ? You know, I, I, I told the Lord one day, Lord, I'm sorry. I don't know why I'm always 
I'm always like trying to keep the church on track. I'm, I'm trying to keep people with the right mind and the right spirit and, and to keep a, a humbleness and a brokenness. Why, Lord, why am I always doing that? These are great people. He says, because that's the number one thing the enemy is always trying to do. He wants to weaken the Christian, weaken their faith, and weaken their testimony. He wants to weaken their witness. Because you see, once you've lost your first love, it isn't long before you start compromising and entertaining self-pleasure things that will please your flesh things that will please you your agenda your wants and your desires with the moment you start thinking about what you want what you're doing what's good for you that's when you are off track God was always about others he instructs us to be about others he didn't say he said love other people as you love yourself. In other words, love God, love people. And just you're just included in that. He didn't say love God, love yourself, and then reach out and love other people. He said love God, love people, and do it as yourself because you take care of yourself. That's a given. He wants us to love others. And in that process, Something happens. You see, when David stood before the Philistine and he had all he had was what was in his hand, all he had was that rock and his little slingshot. It wasn't like the ones we have with the forked thing. Like, it was, if you study it, it's, it's one of those that had a, you had to wrap up the stone and swing it out there. But you know what? David was no different. He wasn't smarter. He, he wasn't somebody that, that, that could ever. Uh, do it in his own strength. That, that Goliath was no, no match for him. But because of his first love, because of that anointing that was on his life, when he, when he swung that back, the, the, the natural became supernatural. And that's, that swing became anointed. How many of you know God takes the common and anoints it? When you belong to him. And then that smooth stone did the job it was supposed to do. Ruth gleaned in the fields. The little boy with the fishes and the loaves fed thousands with just a couple of, of his two fish and five loaves. You see over and over and over again in the precious word of God how God takes what's in your hand. Wasn't it Moses? But he said, Lord, how will they know that you've sent me? And God looked at him and said, Moses, what's in your hand? And he said, I've just got this staff. That's all I've got, this rod. He said, throw it down. He threw it down, and it turned into a serpent. And then God said, pick it back up by the tail. And he reached down and picked it up, and it turned immediately into a rod again. What God was saying in that moment to him and to us is he was saying, I will take what you've got in your hands. I will take your life as imperfect as it is. I will take what you have and I will anoint it and I will use it for my glory. And they'll know that it wasn't you, but it was me. God said, they'll know that it's me. God will take what you have. He wants to work in our lives. Ministry is empty without the first love. Works are a waste of time without the first love. We don't minister out of our talents. We minister out of the overflow. My cup runneth over. 
Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. My cup runneth over. You minister only out of the overflow in your life. You don't minister out of your gifts and talents because you're so smart. You don't minister out of that. If you aren't seeing results, if you aren't seeing fruit, man, go back to the first love. Supernaturally, God works in the first love. He doesn't work in your gifts. He uses your gifts to enhance the first love. He made it very clear to the Ephesian church that your gifts, your talents, your discernment, your goodness, all of that is worthless without your first love. He said, repent. It's the same word, repent. I'm getting ready to close. I got six minutes and 50 seconds. It's the same word that Peter used when he stood up on the rock in the book of Acts. Stood on that rock and preached to the mob that had crucified Christ. He told them, repent. It was the same word. It says, turn from your sin. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves. Humble themselves and pray. Seek my face and Turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven. This truth is what God is speaking to us now. Telling you there's no answers in this world. There's no answers in our politics. There's no answers out there. The answers are still found in this precious word of God. And in the savior of this word. Who says, I love you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Love. First love. He said, remember where you've fallen, repent, and do your first works over. Go back. Go back. In order to be launched, and catapulted forward. You need to get out of the circumstance. You need to get out of the mess, the pit that you're in. Go back. Go back to what? Go back to what? Well, first love. Go back to first love. I tell couples. I minister to, to couples at many years now. I've got a little program that I do in my head because I've seen it work over and over again. What I, what I talk to, when I talk to folks and they're mad, they come in my office, they're mad. They ain't talking to one another. I look at them. One of the first things I say, Sister Margaret, I say, Tell me how you met. He's like, oh, I don't know. We, I guess we went to a movie or something. It wasn't a movie. Oh, yeah. What, tell me how you felt when you, when you asked her out on a date. Was we were at, at that movie. nervous wreck. Oh, you were nervous? Yeah. Butterflies? Yeah. Did you think she was pretty? Oh, she was the prettiest thing ever. Really? What did you think when he asked you? It's okay. <laughs> I take them down this journey, and then I start asking them, how'd you know you loved her? Well, I just knew. Really? When did you tell her? Well, it was one night. We had dinner I was scared to death. And I, I looked at her and I said, I love you. 
And somebody yelled out at the same time, and she said, what? <laughs> I said, I love you. I said, how'd you propose? Well, I, I took her down the river. And we, we walked along the, the river there, and, and I found a perfect spot. Really? How'd you feel when he pulled that ring out? It's the happiest day of my life. How many kids you gonna got? Next time you come, bring your wedding pictures. I wanna see them. It isn't long. I've sat on the floor, Mr. Barnett, with couples who are ready to divorce. And I had them looking through their wedding pictures and they're both crying. And they're loving on each other. And they're hugging each other and asking each other to forgive themselves. I knew that if I could just get them back to the first love, everything would be great. They went off to Hawaii for a second honeymoon, sent me a gift. <laughs> first love. You want to know how to get back? You want to know how to restore your marriage? You want to know how to get right with God? You want to know how to be in revival again and have that fervor and excitement you once knew? First love, go back. Stand with me this morning. I want y'all to look two minutes and nine, eight, seven seconds. Now don't worry, we ain't following that. Well, we are, but you know what I mean. We're, I asked them to get me that so that I'd be very conscious of time with two, two big services this morning. But. We also made the statement that it's subject to change by the Holy Spirit, always. But with every head bowed and every eye closed, do you need a first love experience with Jesus? Do you need to get right with the Lord this morning? I'm going to turn your seat right where you're standing into an altar, and I'm going to ask you to pray a prayer with me. If you'd say, I want that, I need that in my life, that's no doubt the very reason why. I'm in this service today. I am here to give you peace. I am here to restore joy. I am here to move you along in the plan that I have for you, says the Lord. My love is everlasting. You cannot stand one foot out from the perimeter of my love for you. I seek you to come to me. I bid you to come to me. Trust and know that I will be here for you, says the Lord. I will take where you are and move you into where you must be in order to fulfill the destiny plan that I have for you. I can do mighty works in your life. You must only trust me. Look to me now and allow my spirit to re-energize and touch your first love experience with me. Thank you, Jesus. With every head bowed, if you need to pray that prayer this morning, God wants a first love experience with you. 
you're ready to pray that prayer this morning, I'm going to ask you, right where you're standing, slip up your hand and right back down. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you, sir. God bless you. Any others? God bless you, sir. I need that first love. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. I need that first love. Hands going up everywhere. Is there anyone else? I need the Lord. I need him in my life today. All right. These that have lifted their hands, we're turning this sanctuary into an altar. Where you're standing is an altar. We as a church are going to go with you right to the throne room of grace. God is going to restore. I want to include something. In this prayer, if you'd say, Pastor, I want first love. I want my first love. I want to go back and do the first works. I need that. Would you just lift up your hand right where you are? You'd say, I want first love. I'm not even going to try to count you. So many hands, so many hearts. All right. Let's pray this together, doing our first works for first love today. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I accept you as my Savior. I make you my Lord. I ask you, Lord, to come into my life. Make me strong. Give me first love. You are the Son of God. You died on the cross. You rose from the dead. I give you my heart. I believe you're the Son of God. And I confess you now. So according to your precious word, I'm saved today. Born again, I have first love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Now, Father, I pray for our church today. I believe this message is from your Holy Spirit for us. I believe, Lord, that you have caused us and you're moving in us to go back. To go back to the basics. To go back to those things that make us healthy. That cause us to grow automatically and naturally. I pray over our people. I pray over this community. I pray for those who are yet to be touched by the ministries of our church. Prepare them, God, as we come marching forward into our destiny. I believe you have a great work for us. And Lord, we are surrendered and we are committed and we are humbled and broken before you. Seeking out our first love for a revival of first love in our church. To get back to the place where we love you like the day we first knew you. In the name of Jesus Christ, we ask it and we pray. And everyone agreed and said amen. Amen. God bless you. Please.